What's up, Claim of Stories fam? It's Bima here. Uh, wow, it's it's been an incredible year, and we can't thank you all enough for tuning in every Tuesday. We were recently featured in Forbes for our work over the past year, and that just wouldn't be possible without every one of you here listening. So thank you so much from, from us and the, and the rest of the Claimer team. As we start to wrap up the season, we're, we're really excited for you to hear um, from a few of the incredible small business owners we had the privilege to interview at ComplexCon in Long Beach back in November. It was part of a larger initiative where we partnered with Vista, formerly Vistaprint, to amplify and empower small business owners through a dinner at Chifa and popping up with two LA brands, Little Africa and Lazy Cake, in our booth at ComplexCon. It was an incredible weekend, and there will be more to come from this partnership in 2022. Now, as we head into the new year, I would love for you all to take time to visualize what you want and start drafting up that plan for how you'll go about claiming it. We can't wait to connect with you all in 2022. Happy holidays. I'm like, I've been kidding the candy shop and then, you know, going down the rabbit hole. You got the internet at the time, so I'm doing my Googles, or you know what I'm saying? I'm seeing images of Nigo and Japan, the store build outs, and just finding out the. For me, it was such a, a moment for me to just like, I nerded out so much. Like, I'm like really one of those kids that just spend hours on the internet yeah. looking for stuff in regards to the people who You're are literally doing, yeah. like researching. Yes, I'm researching. <laughs> like, you know, finding out the architectural company that's building all their stores wow. and like, just to just you know what i'm saying yeah. really understand what it is that you know these creators are thinking in regards to the bigger picture of their companies you know and their brands and stuff like that this is claim of stories a show about leading and emerging bipoc creatives and how they're able to claim their dream careers tell me where you want to go where you want to be i can help you claim a seat get you on your feet tell me where you want to go where you want to be i can help you claim a seat I'm Bima, and on today's show, recorded live at ComplexCon in Long Beach, California, I speak with emerging designer John Akebu Ojo II of apparel brand Little Africa. Growing up in South Central, John grew up splitting time between his Black American mother and Nigerian father, oftentimes feeling as if he sat in between two worlds. Seeing the nuances of Black American and Nigerian experiences shaped his identity and ways of navigating the world. While music was a huge interest of his as a kid, John recalls being first introduced to his second love, streetwear, at the age of 16, and his mind completely fixated on it, leading him to scouring the internet to learn as much as possible about different brands and their creators. Eventually, John's love of retail led him to a job at Dover Street Market. All of these things fused together would create Little Africa, a meditation on the duality of his experience as a Black and Nigerian American. In our conversation ahead, John shares a story about being surrounded by different cultures as a kid in South Central. For me, growing up in South Central, I was around a lot of uh, Hispanic culture mm. growing up. So L.A. in general is just like really a cultural melting pot. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. the states in general is just like, you know, 
it's pretty much built on immigrants. It's you know, built on a, a, you know. Some people lead you to think, yeah, not, but yeah, it is. We I know th- what's it, up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so South Central, man, like, I mean, I grew up walking to the bus stop. I grew up, like, playing outside a lot. My mom was a very much so a disciplinary, mm. but at the same time, too, mother hen. Mm-hmm. So she didn't really let us far, like, stray off too far, but right. gave us the opportunity to be explo- explorative and just, like, you know, get into trouble yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> so L.A. was safe, man, just because of the type of family structure that I come from, but at the same time, too, has its dangers mm-hmm. just because South Central gang culture, drugs, so forth and so on. But honestly, man, I will say my parents, they did a great job of raising me. I I, I had a great childhood, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I grew up very sheltered, uh, grew up with very much so disciplinary parents who came from morals and just, like, really instructed me on how to carry myself mm. as a young man, mm. respectable, mm-hmm. always representing them at a high level, even when they're not around. If they heard anything <laughs> bad, they know, like, it must be true because, like, I, heard I told so, you, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, I taught you better, you know, so <laughs> it was good, man. I can't complain, you know, right. the city. I love the city. And you had mentioned immigrants. Were your parents from the U.S.? So my father uh, came out here in 85 from Lagos, Nigeria. Okay. Mother is born and raised Los Angeles, South Central. Yeah. Born in 61. Father is born in uh, 52. Wow. Yeah. How, you know, how you feel like uh, Nigerian culture started to kind of creep into your life? Was it like, was it very much embedded in home or like kind of what would have been like your experience with that? So like for context, like mother and father separated when I was young. They okay. were married, but separated. So nine times out of 10, I mean, Monday through Friday, I'm at school. I live with my mother. Yeah. So it's American culture, yep. soul food, oldies, funk, <laughs> jazz, so forth and so on. Weekends, I'm at my dad's. Mm-hmm. So uh, going to church, Nigerian parties, oh. Kunta, just fufu, just, you know, yeah. all these different type of cultural nuances that I'm around throughout the weekdays and the weekends. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I mean, I spend majority of my time with my mother. Yeah. So. You know, that's why to this day, even for me, I feel like I'm more American, mm. African-American than I am Nigerian. Nigerian. As far as relatability. Yeah, you know what I'm okay. saying? So, uh, but as I got older, honestly, and, you know, I just became more into myself, realizing I am my father's son. Mm. So just wanting to naturally seek after his type of insight and whatnot, mm-hmm. I began to kind of like inform Be more curious. My, yeah, you know, inform more of myself about the culture and just like fall in love with it more. Just see yeah. the resilience of our people or the work ethic of our mm. people. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like it's. Is somewhat monolithic throughout all of us. You know what I'm saying? We all kind of have a work ethic or a moral compass that we're kind of grounding ourselves by. So mm-hmm. I've gotten to culture later in life when I was more informed about who I am as a man, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to when I was younger. I think it's dope that you know a bit more of your origin outside mm-hmm. of the U.S. Because at least for myself, that's been something I've been curious about lately is like, you know, I was born in Louisiana, mm-hmm. but like, where am I from? Mm-hmm. From like, where? You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah, so I think seriously. that's I think that's that's really dope that you, you you have that experience. Yeah. When you think about your parents, like, what did they do? You know, for work when you were mm-hmm. growing up. So my father, man, my father is a is a hustler, man. All he knows <laughs> how to do is work. But naturally, so though, you, I mean, you come from a thorough country. Like my father told me growing up, like he didn't grow up with shoes on his feet. So wow, fruit side of the road. Like grew up with his grandmother, early orphan. My mother and father passed away early. So like his whole he just knows survival. Survival. So he just works, works, works. So he just, I get my work ethic from him. So growing up, my father used to manage apartments, security guard jobs, just whatever he needed to do to sustain self as well as family. So mm-hmm. that's what he did. And my mother was really just like, worked from the house. Uh, honestly, growing up, so I grew up with my cousins, my mom, twin sisters. So I grew up with all my cousins in the same house. So it's just like a very busy, yeah. lot going on. Yeah, kids, you a lot know, of personalities. Yeah, a lot of personalities, <laughs> man. 
So a lot of my work ethic, man, I, I really, truly get it from my father. And even to this day, I mean, even in 69, he still finds himself moving, doing something, looking for some sort of work. You know, yeah. he doesn't know how to turn it off. And <laughs> neither do I, man. You get a little, right? Yeah. You get it, bro. It, like, it just, it passes down. And I think, you know, sometimes I think about, like, where do we, like, where does it come from? Like, we don't necessarily think about, like, yeah. the the why. It kind of becomes, like, you know, a part of the hard wire. But we're like, why am I, like, why do I wake up and that's just how I'm mm -hmm. operating, right? I just wake up and I'm like thinking about these ideas yeah. and applying them back to what we do. It's, it's kind of an interesting thought. Um, and for you, I know you had been working since a, a young age too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you'd started working in like a boutique at around like 16 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, nah, so I, I, my first retail job was later in my 20s, like around like uh, 25, 24. Okay. My first time of getting introduced to retail ah, was ah. like 16, like yeah. specialty boutiques. <laughs> yeah, my cousin. What is this like a... <laughs> yeah, it was like a, like a, wow, this actually exists, you know? Because I mean, like LA is a big city, you know? And nine times out of 10, if you are from a particular part, you're really just going to frequent that part of town. You're going to shop over there. You're mm -hmm. going to have nightlife over there. Mm -hmm. So once I started getting exposed to just like, you know, bigger brands outside of the... I guess you could say the Sean John, so forth and so on, that's readily available. Uh, my cousin's boyfriend at the time took me straight up La Brea to Union, seen Bathing Ape for the first time at mm. 16, and it was just like a, like, wow, Cause yeah. At the time, right, you're thinking about, like, this is what, we talking about 2005? 2005, 2006, right. you know? There was nothing, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but I, you know, the apparel and things like that I saw growing up, they weren't as vivid and colorful and playful you know and kind of spoke yeah. to, the age that, yeah. I, that I was at and personality yeah. wise, like, you know, I'm from the South, so it was like polo, you know, and, and, and nothing like, wrong, like nothing polo's wrong. dope, but this was just a whole different mm -hmm. energy. And mm -hmm. so I got to imagine for you, you like Man. 16, you're like, yo. I'm like, I've been kidding the candy shop. <laughs> and then, you know, going down the rabbit hole, you got the internet at the time. So I'm doing my Googles, or, you know what I'm saying? I'm seeing images of Nigo and Japan, the store build outs and yeah. just finding out the, for me, it was such a, <laughs> a moment for me to just like, I nerded out so much. Like I'm like really one of those kids that just spend hours on the internet yeah. looking for stuff in regards to the people who You're are- You're literally doing, yeah. like researching. Yes, I'm researching. <laughs> like, you know, I'm finding out the architectural company that's building all their stores wow. and like, just to just, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Really understand what it is that, you know, these creators are thinking in regards to the bigger picture of their companies, of you know, course. and their brands and stuff like that. So after you're, Getting all this experience, you're doing all of this research. You're clearly like, you know, you're in it, and, yeah, and you I'm might not it. even be thinking about it like from a career standpoint or whatnot, but you you have a strong interest mm -hmm. in it. And at some point, you you go to work at Dover Street, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you get a, another, a more of an understanding of kind of like retail. You're seeing things mm -hmm. firsthand, but you're also seeing it at an elevated level, yeah. right? Because Dover Street is 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 international. Yeah, They're, you know, they have very elevated experience, and they have their own products Most and collaborations too. Yeah. Um, how did that start to manifest what you would do next on your own? You know, for me, it's just like the the attention to detail, the just the intentionality of everything that's going into it. You know what I mean? Like Dover, like you said, it's the pinnacle of retail. It's like the cream of the crop of what it is that we call retail and retail experiences mm -hmm. from music, art, whatever it may be, food experiences, whatever. Like they have a way of just telling their own stories and creating like this cult following behind it so honestly seeing that and being on the back end of it too uh you just see everything that goes into the business aspect of it as well you know what i'm yeah. saying like the content visual aspect of it is so nice when it's all said and done but for me i truly appreciate like okay well what was step a that mm. got us to step z to really 
finalized this thing that we're presenting to people. So just seeing like, you know, at the end of the day, anything in business that it has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So putting out small fires yep. and like, you know, just the problem solving that goes into everything at a at a business that's that that's that that's at that pinnacle of its like success mm-hmm. and just consistency. I soaked it all up, honestly. And it's just like, you know, it's like a sponge. Yeah, it's a sponge. <laughs> it's just like, you know, these people are doing it at a high level. They've been doing it for X amount of years. There's a certain level of consistency that they've mastered or are constantly honing and going back to the drawing board. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm one of a I'm one of those people that's like a firm believer. Mm. Got to learn from those who are really doing it at a high level. Like you really have to soak up game. You got to want to be a student for as long as you can up until someone affirms in you that you are then the teacher. Teacher, yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. honestly. Yeah, everybody got to start somewhere, yeah, You right? got to start you, somewhere. Like, every, uh, Jay Elect, every master mm-hmm. has a master. And, you know, you want to learn from those people that are just like purely just great at, yeah. at what they do. So I love that you got a, a front seat that mm-hmm. uh, today you know you're the you're the creator know, of right? little africa mm-hmm. right um tell me what's the origin story there like because i know you've been interested in this space for for quite some time what why why the name little africa you know it's funny like the name little africa my father he was telling me at a point in time like yeah, you may want to change the name because you don't want to like box out certain people for feeling like they can't partake in it right hmm. africa's such a strong you know what i'm saying certain people may you know feel like oh i can't partake in that if i'm not of african descent yeah. or i don't come from diaspora but really for me it's really a story of duality like i mean like i said earlier like being african-american as well as first generation nigerian-american I'm constantly in that middle ground of like not feeling Nigerian enough, not feeling American enough. But at the same time, once I came to a point where I'm really like informing myself about my culture, I'm seeing the similarities between both. So, you know, just telling that story of duality while still referencing the fact that I've been in L.A., South Central my entire life. Uh, a personal thing for me, I haven't had the opportunity to go to Africa yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to truly experience my culture. So everything that I'm drawing from presently is from what I've actually lived firsthand. So before I really start informing that story through mm-hmm. the apparel and the brand, I have to experience that first. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So really making sure that it's all, it's an authentic story across the board. It's firsthand what I've experienced and influencing that into the brand and giving that messaging off through uh, 70s uh, vibes and typography. Yeah, can, I could, yeah, yeah it's the, like a very logo funky. experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, and the only reason I do that too is just because I feel like the '70s, '80s, really the '70s. I feel like that's when the black experience was at its height. We were able to reinform ourselves with new information, mm-hmm. come into our own originality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I feel like that was a very pure time for us yeah. as a race, and we were like really coming into our essence. Yeah. So I draw a lot from that essence and put it back into the brand. You know. Gosh. When we return in just a moment, John recalls drawing inspiration from the Black experience of the 70s. For this week's Community Stories feature, presented by 99designs by Vistaprint, let's hear from Leonard Macarenas, owner of Danza, a creative brand based in Los Angeles, California. Passionate about bridging the gaps and discovery, Leonard shares a story about creating a special graphic and inspiring other entrepreneurs. My name is Leonard, and I was falsely accused of a crime I didn't do. It's all based on jealousy. I lost everything. My girl, my job, my life, all taken by my best friend and others close to me. I was sent to an island prison where I spent years on years contemplating that day. All the nightmares, 
what went wrong, everything was gone. All I could think about was revenge and getting back at everyone who betrayed me. It's crazy to think that you could be on top of the world, blink, and it's all gone. While I was in prison, I became friends with another inmate, an old man that everyone called Priest. He taught me how to read and write. Shoot, he even taught me how to fight with a sword and how to protect myself. We grew very close while I was there. A lot of stories. As time passed, he got weaker and eventually, God rest his soul, he told me about a buried treasure that if one day, if I ever escaped and found it, that would use the riches for good. Well, I escaped, got out of that island prison and found the treasure. I could have easily lived a whole new life and riches beyond my imagination, but instead gave that all up. I had to do what was right. I got my revenge, got my girl back, and found out I have a son. Pretty wild. I'm basically in the business of ships, bridging those gaps from one place to another and dealing with basically what's in between it. To break it down, for example, a ship is used to carry a specific weight of cargo, supplies, the oil, the crew, stuff for the crew, it's essentials. You combine all that, it's all dead weight. There are different parts within that, and it's called light ship weight. So the sum of the dead weight and light ship weight is called displacement. That is the weight that must be equaled by the weight of displaced water if the ship is to float. Of course, the volume of water displaced by a ship has to do with the size of the ship. But in turn, the weight of water that is to be matched by dis displacement is also a function of the ship's size. The early stages of ship design is key, but also struggle to predict the size of the ship that sums all the weights. You must take into account experience-based formulas that provide approximate values for making such predictions. Subsequent refinements usually produce accurate predictions of the ship's draft. That is the depth of water in which the ship will float. It's kind of a lot, but that's pretty much my business. Started in 2019. Started while I was working at a friend spot. A lot of things happened there. A lot of interactions, a lot of convos, definitely a lot of insight from random people. I started it based on realization, and honestly just for fun, pretty much years and years of somewhat being in this so-called industry, I've enjoyed being part of it and also watching from afar. I figure I'd do something pretty much from my perspective and not let anyone else dictate what I do. For me, it's not real about the customer. They like it, cool. They don't, don't really care. Honestly, for me, come to think of it, it is a lot of work and Definitely stressful at times, but at the same time, it's fun. And if it inspires at least one person, then why not? Literally incubating. Incubating, but at a very, very slow process. Kind of like a chicken sitting on an egg. Actually, a human sitting on an egg. You want to make sure you got the best setup so that those birds that hatch have the best chance at life. So let's say humans have a normal body temperature of 98 degrees Fahrenheit, while chicken's body temperature is at 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Chickens also have that brood patch on their underside while nesting that helps them transfer body to their young. An egg should ideally be kept at 100 degrees Fahrenheit for normal incubation, which is hard to do by a human. It usually takes a chicken 21 days to hatch an egg, so it'll probably take a human three to four weeks tops. 
one of the biggest challenges to not squash the eggs while also maintaining a proper temperature. So this is pretty much where my business is at. I'm looking forward to discovery. Without discovery, what's the point? You absolutely need it. It's pretty much gives me that no guts, no glory attitude. Without discovery, you don't grow. Kind of like chewing gum. People back then never decided to chew on tree stuff. I mean, never experienced chewing gum. Imagine a life without chewing gum. Would we even notice? Imagine life without discovery. Pretty boring and bland, I'd say. I'd rather learn more and grow. Discovery is pretty much the only thing I'm looking forward to, either it's good or bad. The process of using 99designs has been actually really great. Definitely surprised by the process. Tons of submissions from artists around the world. Not expect that at all. Met a wonderful lady from Russia that was extremely patient and keen to all my edits. Very particular with graphics and constant tweaking and changes and felt that that was not an issue at all with any of the participants on 99designs. Everyone was glad to make all the changes. One thing that was pretty cool is that everyone was extremely friendly, which I feel like most people get annoyed with. All in all, it was great and highly recommend to those stuck on figure out designs for their brands, companies, or struggling with direction. 10 out of 10 would use again. I want to make a, a 10 foot high tree made from scratch. I've been collecting these scraps of clothing and in my head, I see it all transforming together into this life-size tree. Nothing, you know, crazy spectacular, if anything, quite peculiar. I use this tree for events, bring it to places I go, and literally just lay next to it. I'll either fall asleep, ponder, stare, mainly just fall asleep. Just doing this, just maybe show people that, you know, something so simple is fun and open the doors for more adventures. That was Leonard Macarenas, a creative and passionate entrepreneur based in Los Angeles, California. Learn more about 99 Days of Design, a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 Days of Design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. So John shares the backstory on how his tagline, Soulmate Global, came to be. I like to relate to things that I can kind of have somewhat firsthand experience with mm -hmm. in some regard. Like my mother was born in six months, so she spent her like adolescent years in the 70s. So those stories that she told me, you know, the, how vivid she would express some submissions, like I kind of felt like, okay, I could feel my, you know, I could <laughs> see how that felt and I could yeah. kind of like relate to that. Then the music on top of it had the movies from that era too visually it's just like okay yeah. you see it yeah i see it, I see it. <laughs> tell me about um tell me about your tagline for your for your brand yeah, right soul made so soul made global right tell me what does that mean so thank thankful for my boy d i'll make sure i always shout him out my boy out the uk he helped me actually design the foxy brown tea and uh 
we were just talking. It's like, man, he already understood where the brand was coming from. And he just kept saying, it. he's like, soul made global, soul made, soul made global. I'm like, man, I like that. I dig that. Mm. So for me, like Nike, Nike's one of my favorite brands. And it's Nike, just do it. You know, just do it. It's a tagline. It informs you what Nike is about. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, it's like Little Africa, soul made global. At the end of the day, the black, the black race, our culture, our essence, it's felt globally there's globally. anywhere you go in the world someone can inform you about a michael jackson a fellow kunta nelson mandela muhammad ali just you know these cultural figures right. that have shaped culture uh reimagined culture whatever it is that they've done these 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 men these women they're felt globally so it's just like at the end of the day little africa i want it to be a global thing i want everyone to know that this is not a monolithic mm. brand mm -hmm. that is it's here for everybody to partake in if you know why you're here, partake in it. If you know you love funk, partake in it. If you know you love certain cultural figures that may have reinformed you to think differently, partake, partake in, it, in it. You know? Yeah. So it's global. I I love that, man. And it's it's, it's more of the inclusive side mm -hmm. of things, right? And also, I think it's, you know, it's also, and I think your dad will see that too, in, in that, you know, it's not about like building it to relate to everyone. It's building it in a story to where people can come in and take part of that. Yes however they, they they would like Most to definitely. right because you have to you have to have a, a point of view and that's what I, I love about what you're creating is like you have a point of view of like why and where and like this intersection and nuances of, of culture and like your experience you know half nigerian half african-american like you know a new story that we yeah you know yeah. get to get to be a part of and some of us get to find identity in like our own things that we oh. might you know me personally i'm like i want to know more about you know my, my own heritage it. right when you think about you know as you're creating product and collections what what goes into that process of working on that next line or working on that next t-shirt working on that next hat um where's a lot of that process for you come from you know it's I've sat on so many ideas in my time of just like wanting to start a brand, but never actually idealizing it all the way through. So there's certain things about my personal style that like I, I want to test to see if like people are messing with it just as much as me. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, <laughs> oh, I love this color. Let me see if people rock with it this way. Yeah. Or if I use these color palettes, let me see if people actually, you know, respond to it the way that it's actually affecting me. So a lot of that is incorporated into collections and designs, but also too just like that 16 year old kid to me that like, I, I just really feel like it's important that I stay connected to mm. the essence that made me even curious about hmm. clothing and apparel. Yes. You know, the, that that childlike excitement, you know, like because right. if I lose sight of that and there's, a, of course, times you get jaded with things. Of course. Everything right? turns into work after a time. It so. can get the stress can yeah. be there for sure. So it's just like reminding myself as to like why I even got into this. And that could be even then too, just getting on the Internet and looking for those images that I remember seeing back then that maybe like sparked something within mm -hmm. me or, you know, tapping into a certain album, certain genre of film. Yep. Uh, just museums, any type of thing. But honestly, too, a lot of coffee table reads. Just like <laughs> anything that can just be some sort of archival reference right. to kind of draw back and then bring you back. You and I to, are, yeah. are alike in that mm -hmm. regard. I think like in the past two weeks, I picked up four or five new coffee table yeah. reference books. Hey, like, you I never like have this. enough. Someone did an independent champion in the end book and I picked oh, that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just love to know where things came from. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring to me, you know, and yourself probably as a, as a creative and an entrepreneur 
and also not feeling like alone and like, yeah. you know, am I making the right decisions, yeah. right? Like, should I be investing in this? Do I need to be releasing more? Like, do I need to pull back? Nah, seriously, <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of speaking to self and really trying to figure out and also to trusting the idea, you know, like relinquishing that bit of fear mm. to hold on to something because, you know, you may not want to hear how people respond to it or you still may be a little insecure, unsure mm -hmm. about it. You know, honestly, like, man, being being an entrepreneur, you really you, you have to learn to be vulnerable with yourself, mm. you know, or even with your creative process, too, because it's just like a lot of times you see something work once. You kind of get a little like second guessing yourself. Can I do it again? Can I do it again? Yeah. So that it pressure. creeps. It creeps in, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and a lot of times it's self created. It's very much so <laughs> self created, man. It's all in the head, dude. Right. It is, man. But it's just like, how do you really tell that voice to be quiet sometimes? Because you get mm -hmm. so familiar with it, you mm -hmm. know. So it's a lot of man. You got to really get into those parts of yourself that uh make you feel that it's like uh what is it called? Imposter syndrome. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. And you got to be vigilant about trying to protect your your mental against mm -hmm. it, right? Because we are our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. But if we're speaking positively to ourselves, positive self-talk, you know, it's we've seen what that can do oh, for, yeah. for so many people. Um, and, you know, I would encourage you and I to nah, practice that and yeah. try to be active in that the same. I think as you think about like what you're being inspired by and immersed in while we're at ComplexCon, what are some of the things that you've been seeing, you know, over the last... I guess 36 hours yeah, um, yeah. that may have been inspiring. Honestly, so me, I'm a lover of fashion and style. So the people watching here is at an <laughs> all time high. You know, you could really see where people are at in regards to their individual style or what things that maybe I'm not aware of that mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, I like how they, would, you know, put yeah. that together. Like, you know, also too, just like since there's so many different vendors here, you see where people's interests are in regards mm -hmm. to where they want to spend their dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I've been blessed too, also too with my booth to be able to talk to people who may have seen me social media wise or at a store that I may do sales with or whatever. And they're just like, you know, inquiring, like, why don't I see more of this in a brand? And like being able to give those like real time explanations well, as to yeah. why, like and certain how you things. actually create. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been really rewarding to see the residual return that I'm getting on, you know, maybe subtle press moves that mm -hmm. I've done or uh, uh, wholesale plays that I've made happen. It's rewarding. It's it's good to know, like, okay, it's working. It's working. Yeah, it's yeah. working. And people are still curious about something that, you know, I've been looking at for so long and putting so much time <laughs> You've into been it. like, yeah. I've been looking at this for nine months. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, you guys like it? All right, then it's cool. All right, cool. I think it, it, I think things like ComplexCon and opportunities to be able to get real engagement mm -hmm. offline right because it's one thing to have you know social media and have comments and things like that but it's another thing to like energy and and get mm -hmm. to show people Feel things right let there. them touch and feel and like them to hear directly from you you're the founder right yeah, and like like this is why i do what i do this is why i started this and i think you you have the ability to leave like such a lasting impression no on seriously and even then too like i didn't realize the amount of like you know young kids who are actually here like younger than 21 mm -hmm. who are like 18 20 uh 18 17 and whatnot you know it's like wow like you guys are finding yourself in this way early and just soaking it up so you already know like by the time they're like you know 25 30 they're gonna be you know like it's just good and the questions that they're asking too is like you guys are really inquisitive <laughs> like you guys are really trying to seek the knowledge that you need to do what it is that you they desire their thing, right yeah. what um i think as you think about kind of like where you want to expand and, and go next with, with little africa what are 
what's some of the things that we can look forward to that maybe you can share a little bit, you know? (laughs) So I've been really hard pressed and focused on driving my wholesale presence. Okay. So uh, this year alone, I've been able to acquire 17 uh, new accounts. Wow. Congratulations. And I'm thankful too, because like, you know, I'm able to like do my own sales, like me and my business partner, Richard, we uh, run by any means distribution together, like my wholesale distribution company. And like, you know, I'm thankful for him because we're just we're like minded in, a, in, in so many ways in regards to how we view fashion and how we want to get proper placement. Mm-hmm. So uh been really focused on growing my wholesale presence. And I have some like big things coming up with like a really good, really good boutique that I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, you know, waiting to get that out social wise. Yeah. Like, like people like see it social media wise, just so it could be like a, oh, man, oh, but you know, you got to, you know, but yeah. I'm just, yeah, I got some good plays coming up and and, and uh, a new collection coming at the top of the year as well, too. So, yeah. That was John Nakevu Ojo II, founder of apparel brand Little Africa. Find out more about John and get access to all of our episodes at Amazon Music. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Claim Us Stories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, and vocals provided by Rosella. And special thanks also to VDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, Lily Lynn, Nicole Early, Becky Mathai, and Amin L. Falele. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories.